Good morning and welcome to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. This is the after show for our KCAA morning radio show. We only get an hour, so we're happy to continue it here. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. If you don't listen to the radio show, that's okay. This stands alone. Uh, if you have a moment, if you have a chance, if you happen to be listening on Apple's podcast app, give us a rating. Uh, hopefully it'll be a, a bunch of stars. If you only think it's worth one star, then please just walk away. We don't want a one-star rating. We want good ratings. So um, anyway, on to stuff that's happening in the world. Uh, if you're not aware of it, Facebook has said that they will require political ads to disclose their political affiliation. So unlike the 2016 election where it was a free-for-all, anybody could buy a political ad and tell you anything they wanted, there was no fact-checking, no checking to see who was uh, telling the truth or where they were com coming from. Now, any political ad will be required to uh, identify itself as coming from a political action committee, a political party, or a politician. So that way you know who is saying what this ad says which seems only fair. I mean, as, as everybody who's got a television knows that any ad that on, on television or any ad that's on uh, in, a, in a print has to say this is an advertisement. On television, they actually have to have somebody saying, hi, my name is, insert politician here, and I approve this message. And so, you know, they um, are just trying to get to that parody, I think, and and I don't know that they're they're trying so much because they're they're genuinely concerned about the impact that they have on elections as much as they're generally concerned about having the government put restrictions on them. And so they're doing whatever they can to avoid having restrictions put on them. And I'm sure they have political action committees that are pushing hard for the leave Facebook alone. Um, modality but anyhow um, it's I'm, I'm happy to see it I'm happy to see that ads will be identified as such and we'll understand who's saying it so that you know if it's purchased by a political action committee that's funded behind by some some Russian um, you know influencer who's trying to have impact on our election at least we'll see it's from a political action committee and you know if you want to take the extra step to then go and see who that political action committee is and who's behind it then you know you're sitting at a computer when you at Facebook anyway. You know a Google search is is a few clicks away. So, yay for Facebook for doing something right. I'll give them kudos for that. I I don't think their motivation was necessarily in the good, but but it doesn't matter. They're doing the right thing here. And you know too much of Facebook has been um, very easily uh, classified as as you know evil doing. Unlike Google's. Uh, old um, mantra which used to be do no evil right um, um, doesn't mean that Google is perfect either uh, but Google's been in the news as well um, they have updated Google Meet and Google Classroom and added some features to their service the updates were revealed at the Anywhere School event but uh, you know if you missed it there's there's stuff that's happening out there they've been actually pushing in updates in Google Meet and Google Classroom for a while because more and more teachers are using it for going back to school and teachers are starting to comment and say, well, how come I have to do this for this class and then I have to do it for the next class and the next class? Why can't I do it once and copy it to all the classes? And, and so, you know, they're starting to look at how it's being used and how, how it could be used better 
and so it will evolve. Wednesday. Happy it's hump day. Humpity dumpity day. Hey, um, I was talking about Google Classroom and they've pushed out some updates and stuff, which is great. They're starting to listen to teachers and more and more teachers are using that. A lot of schools are using it because it's cheap and um, meaning free. Uh, you know, Google just just scans the info so that they can figure out how to give ads to people. Um, but it, you well, know, I'm, act- I'm sure that the school district pays for rights for that, though, to get all of the features that they need. Probably, probably in some, because Google does have for for sale uh, options. And I know that, like, if you have a business that's in the medical industry, you can get a version of Gmail that is HIPAA compliant. So uh, Google doesn't scan it for uh, for information. And you seriously, have to, yeah, you I have didn't to know that. And you have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So so, you know, you can have a company that uses Gmail as the backbone of your email system. And that way you don't have to run a mail server and worry about it. Uh, you just have to pay and identify yourself as a company in the medical industry, and then uh, you can get a HIPAA-compliant version of it. So they, they, you know, they they they're not leaving markets on you know stones unturned when there's money to be made, um, and uh, and you know, good for them. Um, you know, the downside of any of these things is though that the software is updated when they decide to update. It. It's not like you decide, okay, well we've got this update, let's go ahead and install it because we want these extra features or we want these bug fixes. They make their bug fixes on the fly. They make their updates on the fly. And so one day you log into Google Classroom, and what used to work one way now works a different way, and you have to relearn the tool because it's been updated whether you want it to be or not, which can be a little frustrating with online software. Um, Indeed. Well, you know, you know especially for uh, teachers who are not tech savvy, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say, um, you know, probably better than half of them. I mean, certainly um, the – you know, younger ones coming out of college are are more adept at using, you know, Google Office and things like that. But there's a lot of teachers out there who, who although maybe have used computers for a good chunk of their life, you know, some of them started in WordPerfect and some of them started using Word and Windows and, and on the Mac and, and uh, you know, and switching over to a online system and learning and, you know, it's, it's just learning a new system. It's learning new software. And that's... That's always a little bit of a pain, and if you're not somebody who finds joy in learning online stuff or learning computer stuff, it's a it's a drudgery, you know. It's like I just want to get my job done. I just want to get, you know, why why does this have to be so hard? Um, yes. You know, and the folks at Google are doing their best to make it better and easier and, and more feature filled, but that does mean that you know when they add a feature, then sometimes they add a button or they take an old button and move it to somewhere else so that they can make room for the new button. Or, you know, what used to, when you clicked on this button, did this, now it brings up an option because now there's three or four different ways to do things or that button now has additional features. And so, you know, it just, it's different. And so the next time you log in, what you thought you knew how to do, you may not know how to do. And and generally, those changes are going to be better or updated. There will be more features, but it's stressful. You know? It is stressful. And it's stressful when you're already dealing with having to deal with classrooms online, which is not the way you're used to teaching. And, and, you know, kids fidgeting and stepping out of the camera uh, to do who knows what, you know. I mean, it may be sim- simply, you know, they're leaning out of camera shot so they can blow their nose, but it could be that they're leaning out of camera shot to, to you know, make that Play next move. Play a video game. On, yeah, make that next move on the game that they're playing while they're pretending to be paying attention to you. And, you know, <laughs> unlike in a classroom, you can't see 
them doing that. All you see them do is kind of lean out of frame and then lean back into frame and go, hello, you know. Um, and they're kids. I mean, kids will do what they think they can get away with, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes, they're especially going, in middle school. Yeah, they're going to test and do everything they can to see what where the limits really are. And, and frankly, you know, adults would do the same thing. Adults, you know, have been doing it since COVID and meetings, you know, the people people having meetings with their, their uh, you know, co-workers and and like well what are the limits you know what can i do do i have to wear pants now you know <laughs> i mean where's the line don't ask me to stand up just yeah. don't do it where's the line you know <laughs> uh, yes so how do you feel about uh, joe biden's running mate yeah we didn't talk about that on the radio show at all today did we we didn't. We talked about other things, but yeah, but yeah. and we can talk about it tomorrow. But what do you think about the uh, Joe Biden's running well, mate? Can I can I ask you to come back to that for just a second? Because before you came on, I talked about Facebook and their issue, and uh, uh, and they're now requiring people to identify political ads as such and disclose the affiliation of the ad purchaser, which is great. And I oh, talked about yeah. Google and updating Google Classroom and Google Meet. I had one other tech thing that I wanted to kind of tie into that, and then we can come back. Sure. To it. Go okay, for it. So the other one was Qualcomm. And Qualcomm has had an issue where they have been charging people for um, – they, they, they've been bundling things. So like if you buy a chip to go into your, into your phone from Qualcomm, say you buy your CPU from Qualcomm, and, and most, chip, uh, or most cell phones in the United States other than Apple use Qualcomm chips. So you buy the Qualcomm chip. And even Apple uses Qualcomm modem chips right now. They, had a, they signed a five-year deal a year ago with them. Uh, after having argued with them for a while. But the way Qualcomm sells this stuff is they say, you buy the chip and we'll throw in, when you buy the chip, license to use a bunch of our patents. If you don't buy a chip from us, then we're going to bill you for use of our patents. And and so they're they're kind of doing this bundle deal, but then they bill you for use of their patents in a whole bunch of other areas. And the use of patents is just as expensive as buying the dang chip. So even if you don't have a Qualcomm chip in your phone, you're paying Qualcomm the same amount of money. So you might as well take their stupid chip, right? Now, that said, Apple has switched back to them because they have the best modem chips. So it's kind of a moot point if you want the best stuff, you're going back to them anyway. But they've been taken to court saying that that's illegal, that this bundling of their uh, their chip and their pricing of the of the um, uh, of the, the use of their license of their patents licensing their patents is is unfair and they is just it, is it well, though I mean they it, just won a big court case saying no it's not yeah I mean I, I would agree that's you know yeah. you may not like it but they have the right to do it yeah and they have and, and you know what what they charge for their you know giving you a discount to buy a package of stuff is not uncommon anywhere you know no. and that's what they're doing they're essentially saying we'll discount it if you buy a package but if you don't buy the package and you just want to license our patents then it costs this much and if it costs just as much to do that as it does to buy the chip and get the patents you know that's that's them that's their pricing right you don't yes. have to now that's now, a mcdonald's value meal there are some that would say that a modern <laughs> a modern yeah exactly um <laughs> You know that a modern phone can't be made without infringing on some of those patents so you have to license the patents and so because of that um, they're they're treating it unfairly and there is a category and this is where they may run into a little bit of um, 
uh, a little bit. Uh, I thought I had that one up too. I'm oh, there it is. Um, I was trying to find the right term here. There is a um, uh, FRAND. It's the Fair and Reasonable and Non-Discriminatory Law. And basically what it says is that if you, if you have something that has to be used in order for a product to be out there, that it can be determined to be a FRAND license. And so FRAND says that the terms uh, have to be fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory. Okay, so if you're saying that you you get them for X price when they're with a chip, and you get them for you know three times that price when they're not with a chip, is that non-discriminatory? You're saying you know because now you're saying well, we're going to raise the price if you don't buy our chip, and it's not fair and reasonable. And so they may get caught up in this Frand law, and so you know it, it, like all these lawsuits, they end up keep they keep. Nobody pays any money until it hits like the, the final court that'll see it, right? And if they can get it all the way up to the Supreme Court, they will. They'll just keep on, on um, um, you know, appealing it as it goes along. So anyway, Qualcomm has won a round, but they may get hung up because they themselves have identified these licenses as um, being FRAND licenses that are fair and reasonable and non-discriminatory. And one might question if that's how they're really treating it. So what do you think? Um, I think that the idea of the FRAND, especially when it was self-identified by Qualcomm, that, that they're on the limits of that. That if you're going to package um, A and B together, and then you say, I'm going to pull B out, but A costs now just as much as A and B, that that is not fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory. So, I mean, so you know, maybe you, you, can you cut it by 25% or yeah, 10% yeah, and it's I, no longer a problem with the FRAND law? Yeah, I think that, you know, well, when you say reasonable, what the heck is reasonable, right? I mean, yeah. but, but uh, you know, to say fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, I think the average person, the average SMO on the street would understand that, like, if you have two items and you buy them bundled, you might get a, an X amount of discount. So when you unbundle them, you don't get that discount. But it shouldn't, shouldn't suddenly now triple so that whatever you didn't buy in the bundle costs just as much as it would have cost for the entire bundle. That is where I think they're going to run into trouble. And, and so I think ultimately they will probably end up having to change their pricing a little bit, which is exactly what Apple was, was fighting them over. But Apple finally gave up because the Intel modem chips that they were using weren't sufficient and weren't, um, didn't use power well enough for what Apple needed them to do, so they needed the Qualcomm chips. So they basically went back to Qualcomm and said, okay, we still think you're cheating, but let's cut a deal because we need you. You know, business. Business happened. Um, but others are still battling that. And I think ultimately, because of the Fran thing, that they're probably going to, to give in a little bit. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I have some other you know, real issues with, um, you know, Apple was recently told by a court in Texas yay, Texas, that they have to pay $500 million to a company because the Apple Watch and other uh, Apple products are violating some uh, LTE patents that are held by companies that don't do anything other than sue people because they bought some patents. And I think that we need a law that does away with that. I think that stifles competition. I think that if you're not physically... You know, and you, there should be a time limit on it. You're allowed to do it for a period of time, but if over a period of time you don't actually use that patent in your product, 
that then you no longer have rights to that patent. It should just become public knowledge at that point. You can buy yes. a patent if you're going to do something, but you can't buy a patent just as an investment tool to sue people. That, to me, is so wrong, and, and we need to make that illegal. Well, and it's an abuse of our court system. I mean, it clogs up our courts. Yeah. Well, and what happens is is they find a place where they've got friendly courts, friendly to them, and that's where they do the suing. So all these laws, all these court c cases take place in the same county in Texas because there's a county in Texas that is found to be very uh, open to this. And so there's a whole bunch of these patent trolls. That's the name for these companies that own patents but don't do anything with them other than sue people who violate them. Uh, they open up offices in that county so that they can then sue in that county because that county has been very friendly to them. And I think it just should be a, there should be a national law saying, you know, you, if you've got a patent, you have X number of years to do something with it. If you don't do anything with it, then it becomes public property. Yep. And by um, doing something with it, doing like actually putting it into a product or right. partnering with somebody to put it into their product or something. Right. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever item it is that you have patented. Right. You yeah. have to actually make the thing. Yeah, yeah. You you can't just buy the patent and you know and and you can treat it differently if it's a purchased patent versus a patent that you filed yourself, right? If you filed it, right, yourself, or inherited from your family. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, you, when I say yourself, I mean a company. So like, like you know, say a company goes out and patents something. Although very often the patents, in fact, I think I don't think a company patents. It's it's always in somebody's name, even within big companies. You know, there are um, there are people who work at Apple who have several patents in their name. Um, but the power of the patent is legally held by their employer. Um, but anyway, that, that I digress. The the idea that, that if you invented it, okay, then you should get a little bit longer term pra uh, uh, to, to do something with it. But if you just bought the patent, then, you know, you got a year to put that patent into place. And if you don't do it within a year, uh, then you lose that patent. And maybe while you have it, you're restricted. So during that year, you cannot sue others for for for, um, for stealing the patent. Well, no, that's not right. You need that protection while you're setting up your idea if you've got a patent on something. So I would say you get a year. You know, of course, what'll happen is is then they'll just set up a whole bunch of shell companies and keep moving it from year to year to the next shell company, right? So there's you've got to find ways to get around that. Um, I don't know, but it seems to me that that's just not the way the patent system was planned and designed in the first place, and that it's very anti. Um, antithetical to to new products being developed so anyway enough tech stuff let's get back to the big news <laughs> of uh you know and this is kind of not tech stuff as much as it was legal stuff around tech but um the big news joe biden picked a running mate yes it's kamala harris is, yeah kamala um, harris kamala. i was i i figured he was gonna pick her even though the two of them didn't seem to get along during mm -hmm. the primary um, but I, I think that she's, I, I don't, I don't know who she is. I think she says what other people want, want her to say. Mm -hmm. I find her disingenuous. I find her, um, aloof and, um, I, I, I don't know who she is. Yeah. I think that she's a, a purely political animal. Um, and she got her start in kind of a, a shady way. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm not impressed. I um, won't go so far as to say I'm not impressed. I will absolutely agree and say I just don't know who she is. I think that she, while she was running, she proved to be a really poor politician in that she did not come across as genuine. She sounded to me like somebody who had a bunch of 
of people in her ear saying, oh, you need to do this. And for this next, oh, you know, the, the, the first uh, uh, debate you didn't, um, you, you came across as too serious. You need to be more lighthearted. And so then she came out and she was jokey. And, and But she always seemed to be kind of putting on because she was listening yes. to these handlers instead of just being herself and being genuine. I mean, you know, she's she's not a dummy. She's an, she's a um, she's a, a a fairly well accomplished um, district attorney, and and she has held some opinions. But she seems to, as a politician, she seemed to want to just homogenize all that into her background and say, "Vote for me because I'm a black woman," you know. And that seems yes. to be the 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 thing that she kind of tried to run on. And yeah, but she, I need more from her. Well, I do too. And I and you know, if that comes out, if she if we can see a, a genuine person in there and get a feel for what she actually, you know, her actual stance on different things are, then um, then I will feel better. But right now, I just don't, I don't feel bad because I just don't feel anything. I feel like, meh, okay, I don't know who she is. It's um, That said, what do you know about our current vice president and who he is, other than he calls his wife well, mother? Well, he had a body of work. He had been, he had held public office. He'd been a governor. Well, I mean, she's been a senator for three or four years, and she uh, was uh, applauded by some people for the, her her sitting on several of these um, committees where they were were um, uh, grilling people who were called before Congress because that's what she does, right? <laughs> I mean, she's, she's yeah. Again, that just seems like for show, and and I and I say that I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I've not been impressed with with how she's presented herself. I mean, she's got a body of work as well. Mm -hmm. What I don't trust, and, and, and this speaks to what I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the active hard left. I'm afraid of this, this country being more... Mm -hmm. um, she's uh, been incredibly pliable thus far, and will she just be pushed in a direction by yes, outside yes. forces? I, I'm afraid of yeah. this country devolving into a socialist utopia envisioned mm -hmm. by AOC and and yeah. people on her, uh, people of her political uh, point of view. And so uh, that's what I am afraid of. And I don't, Joe Biden, I know people say that this is the rights narrative. I don't care what the rights narrative is. I don't think Joe, Joe Biden is a well man. Uh, he does not come across as, as, a, as a with it guy. And so I, I think yeah. that the vice presidential pick, I mean, we're looking at the person who is literally a heartbeat away from right. the presidency. Perhaps so she matters. Vice yes. presidential picks in history if he gets elected because yeah I I, I mean we could be completely wrong but I I, may, I have my doubts about his health and well being and whether or not he would make it to the end of a um, a uh, the, a first term much less a second term right and yeah so you've got to I, I question that too and I think that she has been incredibly pliable as a politician she had and and, and I don't mean that in a good way I mean that, that slippery. She's, she she tends to reflect whoever is talking in her ear at any given point in time, which, yes. you know, you want to see a little bit of a backbone, a little bit of this is what I believe in and this is what I, uh, you know, of course, the the verbal vomit that um, that our president puts out right now about uh, this and that and the other. And I mean, it's hard to get a, f a fix on what he really believes on sometimes, too, because he just spouts whatever pops into his head at any given moment, um, you know, and 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 I say that not. And I say, you know, verbal vomit makes it sound like I, I hate the man. I don't, you know. I mean, I, I don't know the man. Um, but his um, his non-presidential demeanor is is so wearing on me and so um, uh, irritating to my sensibilities that I, I 
Well, I I literally left the Republican Party because of it. I just I, I did too. You know, you know, as I did, did too. You, you know, he he that. And and yet I know people and and even family members who go, yeah, I agree with you. He sucks. But, you know, my business, the company I work for is is been opening offices and expanding businesses and doing great. You know, pre-COVID, you know, we have to throw that in. Um, And so whatever he's doing, it seems to be working really, really well for my company. And so I don't want to change anything. So, I mean, I understand that attitude. One of my complaints one of my complaints with President Trump when he was running for office is that he had no true north. His true north was right. whatever he felt like doing that day. Right. And so um, and that bothered me because I, that, I need to know. That's like what we're saying Camilla Harris is, though, right? Exactly. That's it. So, so here's the thing. Do you go with the devil you know? If all things being equal, do you go with mm-hmm. the devil you know or do you go with the devil you don't know? And I, I don't yeah. – I mean, Who's in that their is, ear? Right. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm. I, would I rather have some of the people who are in Trump's here at the moment? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm left in a position where I feel like I'm having to make it a, a, just a, a horrible decision yet again. This is how I felt with it in 2016, yeah. because Hillary Clinton was terrible. She's a yeah. terrible human being. And um, uh, and, you know, Kamala, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that that. Um, that will will now that she's um, not battling a panel of forty um, like during the the uh, the primaries that she will now maybe be a little bit more genuine. My guess is what she's going to do the the Kamala we're going to see now is going to be a reflection of whatever Joe Biden's directions are. Yeah, um, you know, and I think that her. Um, her lawyer is going to come out a little bit in that she's going to be the prosecutor uh, against, uh, for the case against President Trump. She's going to be the attack dog, which is typically the, a role that vice presidential candidates play. And that's something that she can do fairly naturally. It doesn't make for her to become a likable politician because a lot of people, you know, that, that attack mode doesn't appeal to a lot of people, but it's a role she will play. So I'm not sure we're going to necessarily see where she really stands on a lot of stuff. So I I will say there's some things that I feel like she needs to answer. I think, you know, this, this movement of defunding the police, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've noticed, but, but crime is skyrocketing um, around the country. Uh, Murder rates, you know, the Ferguson effect where cops were afraid to go into neighborhoods where there was a fair Mm -hmm. amount of violence because they didn't want to find themselves uh, in a situation on film, trying to defend their careers and their livelihoods. And so, um, uh, then you have a few bad cops that are making, you know, the bad cops who are making the news and I'm not taking away from what the horrible things they did. They did horrible things. But in the meantime, um, you know, crime has gone up. There's still talk of, of defunding the police and people have been very, they yeah. say, well, that, you know, has fun social services, but I don't know that that's what all of them mean. I think some of them really mean defund the police, the, the, um, the, uh, police chief in, in Washington, in Seattle, rather, she just resigned because she got her budget slashed and and she's like mm-hmm. are you not noticing that crime is spiking everywhere yeah you know Kamala Harris was part of the prop 47 um, movement and prop 47 uh, w- let a bunch of people out of prison and redefined 
what what crimes can be prosecuted and and you know property crimes have jumped tremendously because of prop 47 because if as long as it's worth less than nine hundred dollars you can go ahead and steal nothing will happen to you yeah yeah while she was attorney general harris declined to take any position on criminal sentencing reform initiatives prop 36 and prop 37 arguing it would be improper because her office prepares the ballot booklets so she she chose not to make any comments Ugh, on that. That's just slippery. That's so, slippery well, to I me. But I understand if you're the one preparing the ballots, you don't want to to then have people who are for or against saying, "Well, you chose to print the ballot this way and use language this way." Saying, you know, now why is she preparing the ballots? That should be your. Um, you know, that seems weird that the attorney general's office is preparing ballots. To me. Yeah, I, I I think that that I think it's a BS excuse. I don't believe it. Yeah. I really don't. She, you know, I, I, um, I, I'm just, I, I'm not a fan. She's got to prove to me that she's, uh, yeah. that she's not going to be super soft on crime at a time when crime is rising. Yeah. Um, yeah, you would think a former prosecutor would be somebody who's going to be very law and order. Um, she's generally given a high rating by police unions, though. Um, so, you know, at least the national police union says that she she gets 100 percent rating from them which is interesting that is interesting i want to know why yeah does that have mm-hmm. to do with money or her policies i don't no. trust anybody so does, is that money or her policies yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i haven't researched it enough um you know uh, i uh, until she was going to be the uh the vice presidential candidate i didn't care uh, <laughs> Yeah, National Police Organization Law Enforcement gives her a 100% lifetime rating. Uh, the NRA gives her 7% rating. So, you know. Yeah, and that bothers me. Know. Yeah. Because I think I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't, I'm a, I believe that everybody has the right to own a firearm. Right. You know, well, unless you've done something actively to, to that, like if you've committed a crime or, you know, something like that. Well, and here's my opinion of this too, is that the, the, um, the National Association of Police Organizations, it reflects the opinion of people who run police organizations. The NRA reflects the, peop- the, the, the people who own guns, um, yes. which includes the majority of police officers. So, you know, one, I think, is a little bit more grassroots than the other one. One reflects, you know, the leadership of, of different police unions, and, and the other one reflects the, the actual rank-and-file people um, a little bit more. And so, yeah, that and to have them so diametrically different is very interesting, you know. But there's right? a lot. There's you know, I mean, if you look at teachers, teachers unions, the uh, the um, uh, National Education Association uh, represents at the national level a very very liberal perspective, and yet there are tons and tons of teachers who have have conservative feelings that are not represented there at all. Uh, right. You know, they by the way give her a hundred percent rating as well. So. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, they they give every Democrat a hundred percent rating, uh, just about anyway. Uh, you know, that's just the, the the leaning of the organization. Even though you know it's not the leaning of all of their. You know, if if you took a vote of of teachers and said how many of them are are uh, uh, conservative versus liberal, and said that's how we're going to then represent them as the as the. Uh, NEA, the National Education Association, um, it'd be much closer to 50-50, I think, uh, just like the rest of America. Maybe yep. it's like, there would probably still be a, a, a liberal uh, 
majority there because uh, a lot of educators um, do, especially the younger educators, tend to be a little bit more liberal. That, that, but, but still, you know, uh, just like if you took all the farmers in the country, you'd probably find that they're a little bit more conservative. Um, you know, but that's me stereotyping a bunch of people. So, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. it is, you know, I mean, I'm going by stereotypes. I don't, you know. Well, of course, you're making a generalization. By yeah. definition, that's a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. But I recognize that. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, um, you know, as far as people, people in California are, are very excited about Kamala, obviously. Um, although what's, what's interesting hey, to me is that Senator she maybe. did, <laughs> she didn't get traction here for when she was running for president. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't, that's why she had to drop out. She didn't really have support, support from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. She, she isn't, I think, you know, like there's a lot of people who, when Barbara Boxer was Senator recognized her name and would support her, you know, she was, you know, very liberal in her, in her politics. Um, but that, it's a, a you know a large chunk of the voting block in California, and and I don't feel like that's the case with Kamala Harris. And she's been there what about four years now, three years. Um, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I think she came in in about 2016, wasn't it? thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, she's you know she's been senator uh, senator. Yeah, 2016 election is when she came in. So yeah, so she's you know on her fourth year, not quite done with it. Um, she hasn't done anything that Californians would go like, oh, yeah, that's my senator. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you follow politics <laughs> and you're a poli political junkie, maybe. But um, but, you know, to the general population, it's like, yeah, all right, senator. You know, I mean, everybody knows Dianne Feinstein. and She's been there forever, uh, you know, in political terms. And so, you know, most people would say, yeah, I like her. or No, I don't like her. I think a lot of people with Kamala Harris go, I don't know. I don't really know her. Well, and I have to say that during the um, Kavanaugh hearings, her grandstanding, again, it seemed disingenuous. Like, I'm supposed to say something cutting right here, so I'm going to say it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it just, it seemed, it seemed disingenuous. But a lot of them at that time seemed disingenuous. Yeah. You um, know. Well, that's, that's unfortunately the truth of a lot of those type of things. You know, we were talking the other day about the um, airplanes flying over. Um, Sorry. Yeah, it happens. Um, we were talking about the the four tech CEOs that called got called before Congress, and you know, and that's all show. It's such a sham. I mean, nobody. Uh, the only thing I took out of that was that there's a good chunk of our political leaders who don't understand tech enough to ask a, 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 a cogent question. Oh that, my gosh, their that, questions were so idiotic. Yeah, but I think honestly, some of them do understand tech and still ask stupid questions because it was more about the grandstanding than it was the answers. They didn't care. The CEO could have said, you know, I prefer the Waldron tennis balls. And and they would have gone, okay, so the next question is, the senator from Albuquerque, you know, and, and, <laughs> and there are no senators from Albuquerque. I know that, so don't, you know, but I'm, I'm, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like the whole thing was show. It didn't matter what they said. You no. Know, I mean, you know, they're asking Tim Cook questions like, um, you know, was the, 1984 Apple commercial. Um, uh, oh, what's the the coined, coined phrase that they're using a lot now? Um, uh, social. Um, 
Justice? No, I can't remember the word now. It's, it's so lose this point. But they were asking, you know, is is it, you know, politically correct? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it, that's not the right term either. I'm blanking on it. But 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 you know, I mean, and, and he and he goes, it was comparing Macs to PCs. I mean, you know, it's like it's yeah. a commercial. Okay, duh. You know, oh, it was something about social justice or something like that. You know, because it showed a woman running in amongst people sitting there like drones, and it was like, you know, and they were saying it was some sort of signaling or something like that. And he goes, it was about Macs versus PCs. You know, and, and, at a time when when businesses were not expected to take a political stance, right? You know, and and I mean, if you just if you read between the lines and the expression on Tim's face, Tim's uh, Cook's face, what he was saying was, "I can't believe that you idiots have me sitting here answering stupid questions. I could be <laughs> having lunch right now, and that would be more mentally stimulating." <laughs> You know, I mean, it just I think that some of them, you know, Zuckerberg, who who I, I don't particularly respect as a person or as a CEO, um, he had a little bit of fun with it. I mean, I think he was just kind of screwing with him a little bit. But Tim Cook just looked miserable. He just looked like, I can't believe I'm here. Why am I doing this? This is. <laughs> yeah. By the way, within two days of that, it was announced in the news that Tim Cook is now a billionaire. Not a billionaire like Zuckerberg or um, um, uh, uh, Amazon CEO. Um, Jeff Bezos. Bezos, yeah. I mean, he's not on that, that level, but he, he just made it into the billionaires club uh, based on his uh, stock and, and perceived. And of course, they're all guessing sort of. But, you know, when you're, you know, what's the difference? 900 million, a billion. Yeah, a billion here, a billion there. So we're talking real money. Um, <laughs> At that level, they're they're incredibly rich guys, and they're also guys who run really big companies who, on the course of a normal day, don't have anybody who look them in the face and say, "Would you be quiet?" You know, that's true. Uh, you know, perhaps at home when their their family looks at them and says, "Shut up, Dad," or uh, or their their uh, spouse or significant other, and and you know, I don't know if Tim Cook has uh, a significant other uh, at home. Um, Bezos is recently divorced, but he's living with uh, a former news anchor. Uh, Zuckerberg is married. You know, so maybe when they go home, they've got a spouse that just says, shut up. You know, but you need that every once in a while. You need somebody who can put you in your place. And, and when you're, you know, especially like Bezos and Zuckerberg, the way their companies are structured, they don't even have a board that can fire them because they own enough stock and the way the stock is structured that they have more voting power than anybody else. So essentially, they're privately owned businesses that have public stock traded with for them. Um, and wow. so they literally r report to nobody. You know, I mean, Tim Cook at least has a board that theoretically could say, we don't like what you're doing. We're going to remove you. Uh, and the same for Sundar Pichai at Alphabet. Uh, that was so stupid. They should have just stuck with Google because every, every, every time somebody says, you know, Alphabet, the parent company of Google. It just makes you have to say a sentence. So why did they do that? I don't understand why they did that. Because the two founders, when they um, when they decided to step back from running Google, wanted to have a corporate entity that they could use for investing in pet projects and, and uh, spend money without having to like go through corporate approval. And so what they did is they created Alphabet as a parent company to Google, and then they broke out some of the other companies that they had um, – 
previously uh, purchased and have those now as standalone companies that are entities wholly owned by Alphabet as well. And so they created Alphabet basically as an entity for them to sort of, you know, have a space to kind of play and explore in. Now, I think what they should have done was just keep Google and made their little entity which to play and explore in a subsidiary of Google. And that would have made a lot more sense to the entire world. But I'm sure there was some lawyer somewhere who said, no, you can't do it that way. You have to do it this way. You got to do the paperwork this way. And the stack of paper which keeps me in business and gives me a job is more important than actually making sense to the world. <laughs> But that's how lawyers talk <laughs> in my head. So, you know, that's sort so of a fast-paced, constipated conversation. Um, so, you know, oh, I apologize God. to any lawyers out there who happen to listen to this and go, that's not how, that's not how I talk. I don't talk like that. Um, <laughs> From the law firm of Dewey Cheatham and how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's been an interesting block of shows today. And I say yes, block of has. shows because we started out on KCAA. I and just want to um, say this, Kamalama Ding Dong. There we Kamalama go. Ding Dong, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I know she's smart. I know that she's held public office. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, I, can, I know those things. I just want to know her. Who are you, Kamala Harris? I need yeah. to know that. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that her, the genuine Kamala, you know, will please stand up. Please stand up. Yes, the real, real Slim Shady needs yeah. to stand up. I'm the real Kamala, and I want to stand up. Please stand up. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I hope so. I do, too, because I, I have the exact same feeling. It's like, who is this woman? I'm not really sure. She seems to be Gumby. And and I'm not fond of Gumby as a political person. So, so I just thought I just thought of Eddie Murphy. I'm Gumby, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Gumby, damn it. <laughs> yeah, he plays Gumby like an old Jewish man who's all green. And... Sorry, oh, that's man. Saturday Night Live from he, the '80s. Yeah, he was so dang funny when he was. He was. You know? Oh my god. Um, yeah. <laughs> So with you know, that happy that's note, been held up. Uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to it, and I hope that it, it actually gets made or gets gets released. Is the um, the Coming to America sequel? Oh yeah, uh, I've that, I, we've heard for years that they're making it. I yeah. wonder where it stands. And I just saw an interview with him recently, and 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 he says, yeah, yeah, it's it's happening. I don't know if it has happened. I don't know what the timing of that that interview. Um, so I don't know where they are in the in the making of it, but um, but it is. Um, it is out there, and I hope, hope, hope that we get to see it, you know. Coming to America, upcoming American comedy film, second installment. He said that everybody from the original movie, with the exception of the actress who played his mother who passed away, will be there. They even got um, um, James Earl Jones to, to Oh, that's to, awesome. To come be King Jeffrey Jafar or whatever, uh, or I guess former king at this point. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's set after the events of the first film. It's the cast is here. So I, apparently it's already been filmed. Uh, it's already been directed based on, uh, is scheduled to be released December 18th, 2020. So we'll see if it, it, um, uh, actually gets out or whether we end up doing one of those, um, 
streaming for 20 bucks for a month or two before they then make it available to purchase online. We'll see. Hopefully, COVID will have, have run some course there. We'll have a happy, um, well, happy. I guess you don't have a happy uh, uh, antiviral drug, do you? Um, but uh, that we'll have some some immunity built up and we'll be able to go to a movie again. Imagine you that. know, I know we're about out of time, but I, yeah. I, I, I will say these um, movie theater companies should have gone into the streaming business early so that they had, you know, that maybe they have some titles in the, in the movie theater, some titles on streaming and that would have protected their, um, uh, their place in the market. Yeah. I feel that Netflix was nothing but a spot on the wall. Regal theaters or AMC should have said, Oh, we either need to buy them or do something like that because that's where. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So with that, we are at the end of our show for today. We have come to the end. <laughs> I'm Erin Brinker. it's time to say goodbye to all our friends and family. All right, I don't know the rest of that. Anyway, I'm making it up. <laughs> I'm Todd Brinker. Have a wonderful day. It is hump day. We'll see you on Thursday. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.